Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and a very warm welcome to this episode of Swanglinese. This week in the studio we have Samantha Dancy, who is a friend and uh, should be an interesting chat. And uh, we're going to have a little talk about business in the UAE and uh, all about Sam's journey. So hello, Sam. How are you? Hi, Barry. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure, pleasure. Good to talk to you. So um, how's things going in line with uh, uh, obviously everybody's subject at the moment, COVID and working from home and stuff? How's, how's it been? Um, it's been tough, yeah. It's... Um... Business had kind of slowed down a little bit before COVID, actually, um, from a PR perspective. Um, but yeah, I think now that, you know, with, with lockdown, I actually found I got really good results from the clients that I did have. But a lot of clients were cutting their budgets. Unfortunately, the, the time they should be investing more in marketing, um, but completely understandable with the uncertainty. Um, so business did slow down a fair amount for, for new business. But the clients I had, you yeah, know, fantastic results because yeah. uh, media was a lot quieter. Um, not much to do. Fair enough. So obviously, PR is the uh, the the, the, uh, the subject we're talking about here. So let's, uh, as we do with all our guests, let's go back to the beginning of your professional journey. Uh, tell us a little bit about Sam Dancy. Where did it all start, and then how we've ended up here uh, in the UAE doing what you're doing for for clients during COVID. Uh, well, in a nutshell, you know, I like to talk, so I will try yeah, and keep it keep it brief. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in the in the UK, I worked in the charity sector. I uh, worked for a not-for-profit for Marie Curie Cancer Care. When I came to the UAE um, 15 years ago now, I started to work for an agency. I'd realized the things that I enjoyed most about my job, about what I was doing in kind of community fundraising, was the PR aspect, was going out there and talking to people, raising awareness. I loved writing. I loved going out and speaking. Um, so yeah, so I, I looked to the PR industry. I joined an agency, and it was fantastic. Um, I had such a good range of clients. But after a couple of years, I realized that, you know, actually I had a hankering to go in-house rather than being spread across lots of different clients. Um, and I started work for Jumeirah Group and I ran the communications for the region, managed the communications for the region for four, five years, I think. Absolutely loved it. I mean, all of the properties included under, under the one um, office, really, for PR. Mm-hmm. Um, and then digital kind of came on the scene, well, didn't, digital didn't come on the scene, but social media became much more uh, active. And really it was when Twitter started that I thought I recognised the, the um, opportunities for, from a PR perspective. I mean, I don't know if you remember back then, but you know, Facebook was always seen, especially in Jumeirah, as the marketing tool. You sent your newsletter and your marketing collateral went on Facebook and it was still seen as a, a megaphone. Mm-hmm. Whereas Twitter came out and everyone kind of thought, oh, what do we do? We can't be out here as a luxury brand. And it's a two-way conversation and we don't know what to say. We don't know how to respond. Um, and I became quite passionate about that. So um, I got involved. I do there. remember. I remember you being the Twitter queen for a little while. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> learning all sorts. Yeah, yeah. Twitter guru. Well, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been neglected. Yeah. Um, and then? But yeah, and where- from there, that's a- took me to agency because I wanted to develop my digital, I wanted to learn more um, and I didn't feel I could do that in-house so I went to various agencies um, and to be honest after a couple of years realised I was helping an agency to set up a sister brand and realised I could be doing it for myself. Um, at the time I was part of a networking group 
as were you. Um, and, you know, it was very supportive. I think that most people in that group were entrepreneurs or small business owners. Um, and it was, it was really encouraging, supportive group and gave me the confidence, I think, to take the step and, and do it on my own. Yeah. And then that led you to, so what's the company name? What's your company name? Oh, yeah, that would be helpful, wouldn't it? <laughs> So it's Footstep Communications um, and again that was probably seven years ago maybe um, but I at the time freelancing was a bit of a dirty word um, and the brands wouldn't really take you on as a freelancer um, so I set up as a as a company as Footstep Communications um, but over time I've realized that you know I didn't want to grow a big agency and be managing teams and managing the financials and dealing with HR and new business I wanted to the, the reason one of the reasons I wanted to work for myself was to deliver value that I felt was missing from clients mm -hmm. you know I've very much felt in agency that as an account director as a group account director you're rolled out to win the new business and whenever there's an issue but your your billable time is so expensive that you don't actually get to do the actual work for the clients. Um, right. Whereas now as a consultant, um, you know, and effectively, effectively freelancing, working with other consultants, I get to actually give my time to the clients and work on what I feel will deliver the best results personally. Right. And when you went into a sort of shifting from that corporate world and then doing your own thing, how easy uh, or what was the transition like because uh, we've talked to a number of, of business owners on, on on the podcast and a lot of people start out on this journey say well I want to do something for myself because I want to be in control I want to work less I want to earn more um, and the reality isn't always that so from your perspective how, how was that transition? Um, well I uh, I'm very risk averse uh, I don't like taking big risks so I didn't actually start until I'd got everything ready beforehand you know the website the branding my business card everything ready and I'd got my first client who was a member of the group at the time Maria Pearson of, uh, mm -hmm. of Gromey yeah. um, she took, you know had the confidence uh, and invested in me as I started and that was enough for me to take the leap um, once I started I think as you say I wanted the freedom and the flexibility more about time the types of clients to work on where i was working how i was working um which is great and i still you know advocate that fully but um i think yeah the first probably two years or so there was a lot of work in the evenings you know yes i could go and take a longer lunch break maybe or start half an hour later in the mornings but i did find i was working in the evening and it was the silly things it was things like you know with my invoicing that's fine i can work out i've got my own invoice templates and you know structures and things but remembering to follow up with the invoices. And I remember in the beginning, because at the time I was, I was really lucky actually, I had a, um, a good network. So I had a lot of business coming in when I went out by myself, but then trying to remember who had paid when, who was behind. And there were a couple of times where I almost missed an invoice, you know, um, and payments and things. So trying to keep on track of that kind of admin, I found quite challenging to start with. Yeah. And how, I mean, this is a, something that a lot of entrepreneurs face in terms of the, you know, take one hat off and put another hat on. And there's only so many hours in the day and too many hats. Uh, any point did you look at, um, you said you didn't want to grow a massive team, but do you think about outsourcing at uh, any point uh, to, to, to yeah. somebody to do those bits and pieces? Well, at the, at the kind of peak then, I think I, I started work with a, um, a virtual PA company, um, which was really, really useful, actually, mm. um, when things were, were busy um, they did so much for me um, but again even with that you start up and you think right okay they can help me with these couple of tasks 
but I have to prepare a whole briefing document for them. I have to sit down and go through it. I have to, in a lot of instances, train them on all of that, which again, when you're on your own and you're trying to get run at a million miles an hour and do everything can be quite challenging. Um, I was also lucky enough that uh, a friend of mine who I'd worked with previously at Jumeirah was between jobs and she also was looking for some freelance work. So she came on for a while. So I had various different, um, I don't know, support systems in place at different times. And it was interesting because I think, you know, without being um, too kind of wishy-washy, you know, these things do tend to come along when you need it. If you look and you start putting it out there, these things appear, you know, you only have mm -hmm. to start looking in the right places, asking the right questions. Very true. Yeah. And this, uh, they say, say people wishy-washy and out there, but once you make that decision and actually commit to it, uh, doors that weren't previously open, open, um, because you say, right, well, that's what I'm doing. So actually, oh, okay. Well, if you're doing that, then I might be able to use your services kind of thing. And, yeah. uh, the, the world has a funny way of, of, of putting that in front of you. But, um, in terms of the actual then you, you, you outsource, which again is quite a big thing for a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and, and solopreneurs to do, because especially at the beginning, it's a cost thing. It's like, well, I'm not generating enough. How am I going to pay someone else? But uh, I, for one, when I started my business, did that and when I couldn't afford to, but it was a catalyst to make sure that then I was spending my time doing what yeah. was important for the business to then pay that person. And, and yeah. lo and behold, I say it, it, it worked out from, from that side of things to be able to, to, to do that. Um, but you've been here for quite a long time, say 15 years, you started and have stayed in the same industry in terms of PR. The advent of digital was, was a big thing for you to, to shift over. How big a change have you seen or how would you quantify the change in, in PR from when you started back with Jumeira to, to what's happening now and, and what you're doing for your clients, COVID included? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, been crazy hasn't it it's been a crazy ride I mean I think back to you know I saw a meme the other day about when I started out in PR we were still faxing press releases to journalists right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds crazy now to all the people in PR who you know are starting their careers what is a fax yeah. um, that's how old you are Sam yeah yeah <laughs> thanks Barry yeah <laughs> as I look um, <laughs> um but yes, yeah, so I mean, from a yeah, from a digital perspective, I realised that if we didn't embrace digital, we'd get left behind. And I say this to everybody um, that I work with. If I do a lot of training now, with especially within the PR industry, and if PR professionals aren't using digital, then you know, forget it, you, because you can't cover everything, and we can't work in these silos. And that was the interesting thing about corporate life is that you know these big companies have you had your digital marketing team, you had your PR team, you had your um, online marketing which was separate to digital marketing and you had your partnerships marketing and everyone had their role in it you couldn't really there was a little bit of crossover but it we all do our own thing whereas you you have to be aware of it all you have to be and the people now that i work with that have you know one agency doing their social media one doing their pr one doing their online and those agencies have never met have never mm. had a meeting together have never spoken yeah maybe there's a few emails passed back and forth but how that's one of the frustrations i find right now how can we really have an integrated communication and a clear message and front and communications plan to the outside world if internally nobody really knows what the other's doing um yeah. so i think that's yeah, been true. quite and do you think, because I mean, technology is always, always advocated as uh, helping to streamline processes and so forth. Do you think that that is a, a problem that technology can solve? Or is that more of a cultural thing within the businesses that you've been working with? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, technology has its place for sure. Um, but there are, I mean, 
yeah, it depends on the company as well. Some of the, the companies that I work with have this kind of, we need this because everyone's got it. We have to have this. We have to, I've read something about this, so we have to now go and get it without really knowing what it is, what results it's going to have. You know, they're not thinking strategically about what they're trying to achieve. Um, and some of the processes can be slow and time consuming and, you know, not necessarily slowing things. Well, in the end, yeah, in the beginning, they are slowing things down until you get set up. I mean, I, for example, you know, my own social media, so I do social media for clients um, as well. I'm tending to do more, I'm finding I'm going back more towards the traditional PR route at the moment. I think people are, there's been a bit of a resurgence of people realizing, you know, with, with the trust falling a little in social media and the amount of fake news and things like that, that people are going back to traditional ways of communicating mm -hmm. and tried and tested. Um, and so I'm focusing more on that because again, with social media, it's hard to keep up, you know, things yeah. change all the time, as you know, and um, to keep up to date with the latest skills and technology. And now, you know, for me to say to a client, great, you have a big news story coming up, you have a press release, you have a launch and announcement, we'll send a press release, we'll do media interviews, we'll do, you know, radio, we'll do all these different things that we can do with traditional media. And at the same time, we can put some, you know, in the past, when, it, when social started, it was, we'll send out a few tweets about it, and we'll link back to the website with the story, we'll link to your radio interview podcast, and we'll do all these things on all the channels, and that would be enough. Yeah. But now, you know, well, we need a graphic or a video for Instagram, but then that's not enough as well because it's not just enough to post on there. I have to be doing stories as well constantly and I have to be checking in on other people's stories and commenting on it. And, you know, I think clients don't necessarily recognize that as an important role and don't see that money being spent, you know, time being spent doing that is so vital. And when you're out, when you're an external person from the business. When I was at Jumeirah, it was great. I could sit all day with a screen open with all my social media feeds going and, and be popping in between bits and pieces. But when you're, you know, an agency or a consultant, you're managing lots of people, you know, that that's time and time is money. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think no. that's a struggle. No, definitely. I think, and this all, I think still, even in 2020, that it's something that some companies still don't understand and uh, that social media gets lumped in on uh, the marketing director's to-do list yeah. or somebody else's or the receptionist's to-do list because, well, it's just posting on Instagram and, and, uh, and Facebook and whatnot. So they can do that, not realizing that you're then putting the company's voice in that person's hand. And also yeah. that as you said, it's realistically, as much as some companies don't want to admit it, it's a full-time job. The reason that social media manager exists now is because that's the, the, the luxury that you said of having the screen open and, and flitting between and, and answering and engaging and posting and creating. That's a full-time job. Uh, and that is, it's difficult, I think, especially for some of the, um, the older companies, if you like, or the more older-fashioned companies to A, appreciate that and B, admit that, okay, we really need to do that. <laughs> we need to get somebody on. But also, and I think especially from you know, a third-party perspective, for them to understand how much that then will, in, will cost them an investment to have a professional doing that yeah. for them. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, a constant, well, it's a constant conversation that we have and uh, <laughs> a scenario that con con continues to unfold in the market space. Um, but uh, time will tell. And as you said, it's very interesting to see the shift back towards traditional PR mm. function. and. Um, like you, I do a bit of training and one of my, my, my slides used to be about the shift towards social media and the trust factor in Google and whatnot. And yeah. can't use that anymore because <laughs> everyone's saying, oh, I don't trust it. <laughs> I don't trust it anymore. And, uh, but also still then need to see the return on investment of traditional forms, which, and, and it'll be interesting to get your, your feedback on this. 
how easy is it to demonstrate that realistically now that you've got the comparison of digital uh, analytical data to say this is what we did this is what we spent and this is what happened versus um again my my limited understanding but the the, the pr value of multiplying this number by three because of it being in a dentist's uh, you know uh, waiting room kind of thing that's it's very difficult to justify that now and so say how, how do you get around that or how do you see that unfolding at the moment well particularly i mean i guess after covid that's going to change with the, the the value you're talking about the times by three is the um the difference between the circulation um and the readership so obviously companies are well a lot of them are audited um with their numbers of what their, their circulation is or their listenership um or their viewership um, but then, yeah, the, the, the kind of um, circulation and then the industry standard globally is times three. I think it may even have gone up to three and a half um, because, as you said, and proves you actually listen to some of the things I say as well, um, but it's picked up in doctor's so. surgeries, <laughs> hairdressers, you know, even at home, multiple people mm. potentially reading the same article. Um, but obviously with COVID at the moment, um, I think people are much, you know, there's, there's not having these, uh, these complications on the desk for people to look at. We don't want we want to avoid touch points. Um, so presumably the industry will review that. But but it's always been, I mean, it's a massive, always been a massive, massive issue in the industry within PR of how we measure. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, it was done on advertising value equivalent. So you would look at is your article a page or a quarter page or a column? You know, how big is that article and what would it have cost you in advertising to get that same amount of space? Um, but you know, the, the big argument has always been space. Is nothing. I mean, it could be an, a, a page that's negative about you, um, you know, or even the difference between having a full page, which is an interview with Barry Cummings talking all about um, his industry, his business, and, and all his goals and all the key messages. And it could be then uh, a page interview that's between you and your competitor doing a talk, uh, you know, a head to head, which is great reading, but obviously doesn't have quite the same value for you, um, potentially. Um, it might be a whole page about the industry that at the bottom has a list, you know, a sentence that says companies that do this service include, da, 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 you know, not, those articles are not all of equal value. Mm. Um, so that's always been an issue with advertising value equivalent, but particularly here in this region, I think, you know, Europe and, and the States have definitely been moving away from this quantitative into more qualitative um, analysis. But, but here in the region, a number is wanted as you say it's, it's an ROI what's the number you know um, so you know unfortunately that does get used quite a lot and, and also because when you start doing qualitative measurements it's a lot more expensive mm. you know because yeah. then you're looking at doing audits and surveys and, and getting people's sentiment and brand awareness and key message awareness before and after you know what tone of voice is used what share of voice which means that we can't just rely on a, a bot to pick up all of our you know, articles that have been picked up in newspapers, we need somebody to actually read through and see, is it positive or negative? Um, mm. you know, and how much share of voice have we got? And how feasible yeah. is, is that? Because uh, my next question is then, so what does the future for PR look like in, in your personal opinion where that is a requirement and how feasible is it in then having that human element doing that manual review process and then the cost associated with that yeah. or is there is there another another direction that you think that the, the whole PR um, market is going to go in well I think I mean for me all the clients that I've had since I've worked on my own last seven years not one of them has taken a qualitative measurement I always promote you know I put the both options there and recommend the, the qualitative assessment 
I mean, a couple of them have taken the route where, because one of the things, if you don't have budget, that I would I recommend is looking at getting focus groups together. Right. So picking four or five people um, from your target audiences. Because the thing also as well that I try, that we're trying more and more now to focus on is different target audiences. You know, again, in the past, you could just broadcast to everyone. Mm-hmm. But now with the, uh, with the importance of digital, we all want very personalized communications and we're all very individual. Um, so our communications have to change. So picking someone from each of those audiences and having a little focus group with them, that you can measure qualitatively their responses to certain questions before and then six months time, which then is, is minimal cost outlay. Um, and I think, you know, that's quite an effective way of doing it if you can't afford to do the big audit surveys or pay for the sort of qualitative um, marketing. Or, you know, if you're in-house and, you you know, if you invest more in the team and the team have got time, it's what we used to do. Again, you know, not that long ago, it's been since I've been in the UAE that we, every day, part of my job in PR when I first started at the agency was to get the newspapers, to open them up, to read through and try and find copies from clients, to get my little scalpel, cut out the articles, stick them on paper, you know, photocopy it. But then I would assess, is it positive or negative? You know, highlight the mentions of the brand or the key messages. But that would take, you know, an hour or two in the morning. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's coming back to that. The other thing is that digital, you know, this is where the insert digital can help because the majority of publications now, everything that goes out in print or on, air, on the air is going out online. So mm. that obviously helps us a lot more. So some of the clients with smaller budgets, again, purely through Google Alerts or, you know, any kind of cheaper um, measurement tools online, I can track for brand mentions um, that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, no, very much so. I think the the, the listening element of, of PR now is is really important, just as it is. And, and this is also where I see when when digital first came on the scene, and I'm talking to PR companies that suddenly were PR and communi- and PR and digital communications specialists, and I was thinking, oh, how how have they done that? Um, and the 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 reality was that they they hadn't, but they were working it out. But now I think it's very much. A, a collaboration that when you're looking at PR, you've got to look at digital. Um, you've got to look at the elements of digital, like search engine optimization and, and so forth, because that's going to help your copy or your releases become more visible to to your audience. Um, so it's, it was always very interesting to me, and one of the reasons why we've sort of remained friends. <laughs> the professional, the professional element of our relationship, yeah. talking about this kind of stuff, because they have become. Um, you know, hand, they've gone hand in hand now, and that we've joke, jokingly, I've always said that digital is going to take over. PR is not; it's it's a dying art. Very yeah, I think that's right. I did, and for for a while it was, and it was an easy argument for people like me from a digital perspective to make because, again, providing all of the data, I could I could make my point, I could prove my point to a certain extent, but. Over the last couple of years, I haven't been saying that because I've also seen this change because now they do work hand in hand. And actually having somebody with a who is a dedicated PR who understands how PR works is a really valuable asset to the business from a digital perspective because then you can leverage from a digital perspective some of the PR stuff that's going on. And, yeah. and yeah. as you said, it's about actually working together internally within businesses, but also even third party suppliers that, that yeah. can... I, I don't know PR and I, I would never go to market saying that I do, but from a client perspective, they would want to be able to take advantage of a good PR person, a good digital person, somebody that understands the elements of digital like SEO and paid advertising. Um, and I still not entirely sure that, that there's one person that can 
cover all of those those roles really and and even if there is is there enough time in the day for them to do everything yeah no i agree completely and i think this is why and actually it's one of the i guess the advice i would give to anyone going out on their own is making sure you surround yourself with the right community because i wouldn't have done it without the people i had around i mean the amount of you know we've had a, a few clients where we've worked together on them we've gone into new business pitches together and with with you know other people that we know that are, are experts in other related fields because I think I'm hearing more and more from clients definitely there's more of an interest in um, consultants and freelancers rather than the bigger agencies I mean some of the clients that I've worked with over the last couple of years are fantastic they're big clients for me that I was surprised wanted to work with me and I was quite honest about you know in the past maybe I would have to have had to you know try to elaborate a little bit on the size of my team um, and the, the people I work with but you know I'm completely honest now about about how the setup is um, but they're saying you know they, they're not getting the personal attention they don't feel the the commitment the passion maybe some of the even the creativity and the ideas from some of the bigger agencies but at the same time they also ideally want to just deal with one person mm. you know or a couple of people together. they don't want to go to different agencies so by saying okay well let me bring in Barry you know we can come in together and then we're covering you know both sides um, for you um, I think, you know, that's a really strong um, position to be in. Because like you say, it's not one person that can do it all. You can't be an expert in everything, for sure. No, and, and even in the digital realm is that you can't know, <laughs> I, I know more than the average person, but I don't know everything. And so there's, there's room within the digital that's space. And I say, pardon? I'm glad this is recorded. <laughs> I freely say that, <laughs> this, uh, but there is, and I, I say this to clients because if somebody comes in and says they do, then they're lying <laughs> because yeah. they yeah. can't by the very nature of, of what it is, it will change tomorrow and something that they knew today won't know tomorrow. And there's so many platforms and so many things to consider um, that, that it would be remiss for anyone to say, yeah, no, I, I know everything and, and, and that's it. But that's also part of the the challenge but also the attraction is because it consistently changes you have to stay up to speed with it yeah. and that's the value actually that a lot of the third-party agencies and consultancies like ours and you know yours that's what they bring to the table to say well I, I focus on this bit and because I focus on this bit I, I really do know this bit inside out and then yeah. as things change I'm one of the first to notice that it's changed or I'm even notified that it's changed by ABC company. Um, so I think yeah. it, and it's a cyclical thing that I've seen previously when we were Microsoft that people want everything under one roof and then they get annoyed because everything's under one roof. So they want best of breed. So then they go out to get the best of breed and then they get annoyed with having to deal with five different people. So it comes back under one roof yeah. and we, we keep going through this cycle. Um, but uh, that means there's opportunity and that, that's what I, um, I think is interesting. And also I guess from, from your perspective, you've been here, pretty much the same amount of time as I have. How do you view the opportunity on the ground here um, in the UAE for PR, for example, based on your experience so far and, and what you've seen happening? Is there still as much opportunity for those thinking about starting out? Has how has it changed drastically where it's it's uh, saturated? What's, what's your thoughts on that? I think the last few years, there has been a massive influx of, as you say, PR, communications, marketing and everyone's trying to do a bit of everything and in the same way that i'm sure it's been frustrating for you guys on on your side of the fence um looking at pr companies that as you say i've seen them as well they're saying oh, i do pr and social well, you know i do marketing full stop mm. um you know equally there's been a lot of digital companies that are now saying oh, we do pr you know oh, yeah. 
you know, it's, it's been crazy. Um, and PR, I think, is one of those things that people think is pretty straightforward, you know, and, and it isn't rocket science, actually. Um, it's, it's based on, you know, the context that you have and if you have the right um, personality, really, to, to go ahead and, and then there's very little that you, you know, a few things you need to learn and, and you, you're away, you know, lots of small business owners and entrepreneurs can do a fantastic job of doing their own PR. And actually what's interesting is that I generally go into a client and say, here are the options. I can either help you set your strategy, give you a bit of consultation, help get you set up, do all the background, you know, audits and research and stuff to find out which direction you need to move and what your key messages are and help you get set up. Or, you know, I can kind of do that and do some of the press releases and do some of the interviews and things, or I can just do the whole lot you know, and your social media and I'll post and I'll respond. And I always say, better if you can do, especially the social media side, you, you're better place to do it. Let me help you set up, you know, get your strategy straight and you do it. But if you need me to, I can do everything. And every time, 10 out of 10, they always go for, oh, can you just do everything? Mm-hmm. Um, but the great thing is, what's the, the progress that I'm seeing is that with a lot of small business owners, I'm seeing that they are um, taking me on for say three months which is a minimum that I would do to help get them started. And then at the end of that, we kind of have this, we'll get you set up, we'll get the process in place, we'll get all the platforms set up, we'll get all your consistent messaging and things sorted. And then I'll, I'll train up your team members so that at the end of three months, they can take it on. And that's actually been done a few times now really successfully. So that's you know, doing myself out of work, but at the same time, it's really encouraging because that's the way it should be going. And I really enjoy doing that to that level. So I think, you know, there are still opportunities I'm finding with PR, as I say, traditional PR is becoming more interest again. There are, there is business out there for people who want it. It's starting to come back again, for sure. But what I'm finding is that people are, budgets are tight. Um, not just the budgets, the, the time frame. So people now, whereas before I would say it's a minimum three month contract. Um, now I'm saying, um, you know, yes, twist my arm maybe I can do a month's worth for you it's not going to have the same I can't in a month I can't do what I could do in three months obviously but with PR it's a a, you know with with a print magazine for example a monthly magazine your lead times for that magazine are potentially six to eight weeks in advance so what I'm working on now on the 15th of September the deadlines for October magazines have gone so anything we start work on now is for November magazines so if you take me on now for a month the coverage isn't even going to, going to have appeared. Let alone us be able to build on that. Yeah. Um, so that can be quite frustrating. But I am, and I'm seeing people come to me and ask, how much is it just to write a press release? Or how much would it be just to create a Facebook page? Or how much would, mm-hmm. which, I, yeah, of course it can be done, but it's not going to have the results. You know, I can, I can write the release, but it's, it's about who sends it. And sure, yeah, I can send it on your behalf as well. But actually, if, the people, the, the recipients know who I am. They might be more prone to open my emails because they know me. But it's not just about trusting me. They need to know your brand. I need to have worked on those media relations, got them up to speed and to trust in your brand before I push a launch on them. Yeah. For so, yeah, I mean, that, that's, I think, unfortunately, seems to be where a lot of the business is. You know, can you do a month's worth? Can you do odd tasks rather than doing the retainers that I would have done in the past? And for a lot less money, more hours, less money. Yeah. Which is a problem, I think, in, and it's obviously one that every industry is facing. But the, the, as has always been said here in this part of the world, the, the price uh, war is, is detrimental to everybody because it just drives it down through the floor. And then, the, then nobody can do it because if everybody's asking you to do a press release and I just want to pay you a couple of hundred euros to do that, you say, well, 
in order for me to do that as a business, I need to do how many of those per day, then yeah. it's not feasible anymore. Um, so then they don't get to benefit. And I think that is, is definitely something, especially small businesses we've, we've, we've talked to and, and have worked with, that there needs to be this understanding, especially today, that communication and, and PR and social media is not free. It, yeah. It's not a free service. It's not, you know, yeah. social media, there's no, no cost of entry. But if you want those channels to work for you, you need budget. You need budget to advertise. You need budget to pay for expertise. If you don't know how to advertise, you need to pay for people to be able to do your communications. And, and this is, I think, a very key point there. The timescales involved with that that the, the, the lack of understanding, and this has come from speaking with other people that um, have different skill sets, is that there's the, the common thread that I've seen is there seems to be a real lack of understanding of what I'm asking of you as a PR yeah. person. What yeah. my understanding of it is and what I expect from you and what you do and what you can deliver are two completely different things um, and that I'm asking you to do and deliver the world and also I'd like you to do it for a thousand dirhams a month uh, or yeah. I just want to pay you a thousand dirhams and you can just do it forever. <laughs> or I'll just give you some free products. That's the other thing. Yeah. Which yeah. isn't going to put food on the table. But, um, no. yeah. And I think that they don't look at it as a long-term thing which i think a lot of people should do especially businesses to look at the long game not the short game because if you are in business then the average is two to five years before you're even turning a profit depending on what you're doing that if you had that in mind then you need to think about investing in the, the business and, and how you're going to do that and as you've said communications now is it's everything it's it's yeah. around the marketing it's if you have a new idea and, and it genuinely is a new idea you need to get it out there in front of as many people as possible that means traditional forms that means social media and that means really digging in digging in deep uh, from, from that perspective yeah. so i think like you uh, we are working on um, communication to our audience that's all related to education of, of what yeah. actually is digital what is involved in seo what is involved in paid advertising what's involved yeah. in pr and and how if you only look at it like this then you put that much in that much is going to come out yeah. <laughs> um and, and it's, mean, it's, it's it takes years to as i say it takes years to build a reputation you know in a second to destroy it. and i think people forget about that angle they they think pr when they think oh i've got i need to launch my new product i need to launch my business i need people need to know about me but they're not thinking about actually the, the real essence of what pr is it's your reputation mm. you know and that takes such a long time years and years to to build that but again doing the wrong thing putting the wrong response upsetting the wrong journalist tweeting the wrong thing gone it can be done yeah. you know in a, in a second we've seen so many examples of that um, but I think, again, if you're on your own, I mean, I've been talking to a friend of mine who is, has literally in the last month set up on his own um, at the moment, which is challenging times to be doing it. Um, but, you know, he's well aware of the need for PR. And we had quite a frank conversation about the fact that he has limited budget at the moment and he wants to invest in business development and a kind of sales support function, plus all the admin support potentially, which I completely, you know, that's the issue that I talked about, I had in the beginning. And then there's the PR marketing side of things. Now, where do you start? Because, you know, he's saying, I know ideally what I need is money to be coming in sooner rather than later. And PR and social media is not going to drive sales. Not initially, it's not gonna be, or not the volume of sales that I need. Um, I know I need it and I know it's really important for reputation and I know that for loyalty and return, you know, I mean, he's, he's very savvy with how it works, but he's also 
sustainability has got to be practical and realistic. And at the moment, when you look at that budget and where the priorities are, maybe investing that money in a, a business development person for a, a few months to get some traction with some existing contacts and some warm leads and things to get some money coming in before he then goes into the marketing. Um, maybe that's the best approach. I mean, it's not ideal. In an ideal world, you know, we all have a lovely bucket of money that we put to one side and we set up and we do all our marketing first and get our reputation and and everything established and our image established before we start touting for business. But the reality is that most of us, especially in these times, are kind of, let's just, you know, go and and launch and see where we go and what we can do and we'll just make it work. Yeah, yeah. No, very, very much so. And and again, there's something to be said for that. But and as we've we've talked about before, when we do training as well, that actually planning out your strategy for this is really important. And that sometimes um, the idea that not doing your marketing first is going to save you money is sometimes wrong, because actually, you need to market in order for your BD person to be able to then effectively go and sell for you. Because otherwise, it's it's a it's a completely cold scenario. And especially now, because people are going to say, Okay, well, that was a really good presentation and pitch and then they're going to go immediately online google you google your company and go oh okay well th- yeah. there's nothing there so yeah. what what is this and especially in a, in a di- digital age of scams and people ripping you off yeah. and everything you think well I'm, I'm a bit wary to, to to move forward with this because there doesn't seem to be any other social proof pr copy articles websites blog posts social out there so i don't get that tick in the box and so actually well maybe i won't go with these guys and and then of course the other the next person in line comes in and does their presentation equally as good presentation then you jump online research them and go oh wow okay yeah these guys look good they've got reviews they've got this they've got articles they've got all of the the reputation stuff that you talk about that it gives people peace of mind to choose them as their supplier and in some cases that's what you're doing and i think covid really has a couple of things it's accelerated from a comms perspective is the need for trust i mean you know there's been so much going on at the same time as covid and plus all of the fake news and things that's happened um you know around covid itself that and we're spending a lot more time online as well so we're a bit more aware of these things that trust has become really important and this kind of community um, and, and sort of yeah reputation within the community I think you know that support for each other so I've seen a lot of communications over the last few months I think people are not where well, they couldn't months ago they weren't selling their products and it was inappropriate to be trying to push you know selling mm. your products or yourself um, but supporting the community adding value the things that I talk about you and I talk about all the time about what makes good communications you know whether it's online offline is about adding value to people but mm. people have really embraced that and so this kind of focus on ROI over the last few months dropped, you know, and it was much more on let's build our loyalty, build a little community, build our little, uh, you know, army of brand advocates and ambassadors, our tribe that support us and give more value to them and support them and, and really grow and how it should be done, you know, really. But unfortunately what I'm seeing now is that as that's tailing off a little bit and, you know, the, the lockdown and things have lessened off, that people are going back to, back to all right, sell, sell, sell. Um, yeah it's amazing how fast that's happening (laughs) yeah 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 oh interesting well that's well i I said like you i hope that the 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 lessons that are learned and the way that it went to where people were being much more of a supportive community i'm hoping that and i have seen evidence that some of them are you know the the communities Mm -hmm. that were built during covid um, that are really helping um individuals and and companies in in tough times and that's uh, 
I remember listening to another podcast where at the beginning that seemed to be really prevalent, but even then within lockdown, it didn't take too long before people were back to how do I do what's best for me? Um, yeah. And that, that was quite sad to see. And especially as yeah. it plays out so fast on, on digital now and uh, um, the, I don't know, the worries of society, I guess, is the only way to, to put it. But uh, hopefully, uh, as we see things lifting here, we, we start to see a return to uh, ethical business and, and more business from that side of things. Um, something I've heard from a few people is that similar to 2008, those that weathered, weathered the storm mm-hmm. here um, were, were able to thrive post, uh, post that uh, blip blip and glitch in, in the global economy and hopefully the, the same thing applies here but um just in terms of ending this one what i always like to ask our um our guests as well is the the, the final thing that you you've made the transition you've you've shifted into doing your own thing um part of being your own boss and and, and running your own thing is, is keeping yourself um up to date and motivated and educated so is there any resources that you would recommend to people that are looking at starting up their own business or thinking about it or have done it whether that's online resources books mentors anything that you as as, as sam dancy think you know what this is this is my my thing this is what really helped me or continues to help me is there anything on your on your list um a couple of things uh yeah i think as i said about having the the like a support network i mean i know that's not necessarily a a resource that you you know you may have been thinking of initially but but yeah having whether it's a networking group or whether it's the the sort of friends that surround you um colleagues that you could potentially work with i mean i know we on many occasions have gone and worked from cafes or offices and things together as well not only going in on new business but just having ideas to bounce off each other we've held each other accountable and things in the past for you know achieving some of the goals that we want to do and that that works really well um i'm not going to put you in the mental category barry but um, maybe the support well you know mentor (laughs) i think is probably appropriate but yeah we'll leave Um, it there (laughs) however i would also say cyberbully of course um you've got some great resources on there that you know i've listened to that we we don't have kids you know we're not listening to it from that perspective but it is i always find quite interesting to hear what's going on um there are also a couple there's pr daily which is a um i mean i I follow it online but it's a a magazine as well um, which is quite interesting if you want to keep up to date with what's going on in pr and i quite like social media examiner Mm. from a kind of social media perspective i like the articles and things that they post um there's tips and tricks and just keeping up to speed with what's happening um, and just attend, you know, just keeping your finger on the pulse. I mean, I, I follow certain you know, keywords, industry keywords on on Twitter. And then whenever, at the moment, the thing I'm loving is that there's so many webinars and things out there. Mm. Um, some better than others, um, <laughs> but I'm starting to work out the ones that I like more. Um, and, and yeah, some of those have been quite useful. Um, yeah. So yeah. No, very- yeah. Very good recommendations. I think the the free webinar stuff is 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 really useful at the moment. And if if for any reason you have got more time on your hands, uh, your your investment in your own personal learning is always a a good way to spend you know forty minutes to an hour uh, if if you get that uh, if you get that time. So very much appreciated. As is your time, Sam. I know you're very busy. Thank you very much for taking the time to come and speak with me. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. No problem at all. Thank you very much, Barry. So thank you. And uh, to all you listening out there, if there's anybody that you know of that you'd like us to talk to, then send us an email at wishlist at swanglinese.rocks. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.